Well, good morning. Welcome to Berlin Christian Church, where our mission is to make more and better followers of Jesus Christ. My name is Michael Hinnon, and I have the privilege of being one of the ministers here. And so we want you to know that we are so grateful you have chosen to worship King Jesus with us and to have hearts of gratitude with us, whether you're here in person or with us online. This morning, I want to let you in on a little secret, but you have to promise you won't tell anyone, okay? So I'm going to tell you what my wife Janelle and I fight over maybe more than anything else. Now, backstory, Janelle is my best friend. We have been together for, in marriage for almost six years. We've been together dating each other for almost 10 years. We've lived in four different places in three different states. She is my best friend by far, and I don't know what I would do without her in my life. But there is one topic that we fight about more than probably anything else, and it's probably not what you're thinking. It's not finances or anything like that. It's colors like this, okay? We fight over colors and what colors are more than probably anything else. Is it blue? Is it green? Is it yellow? Is it orange? We fight over things like this constantly. And so on the screen, go back to the last slide. Go back to the last slide, please. So on the screen, we have a picture right here. For those of you who think that this is blue, go ahead and raise your hand. How many of you in here think this is blue? Wow. Go ahead and raise your hand if you think this is green. All right, show the next slide again. For those of you with green, keep your hands up because you are right. That is a green square right there when you compare it against the blue. That is a green square. I was not expecting to see everyone say that that was a blue square. But that's my point, right? My wife, Janelle, and I, we argue over colors like this all the time. And really, it's just a silly thing to argue about because it's really just a matter of perspective. It's just a matter of how the light hits our eyes a certain way. It's just a silly thing to argue about. But today, as we conclude our series that we've been calling We Thank God. And we've been talking about how we can thank God for all the different ways that he provides for us. Today, we're going to be talking about how we can thank God for his work, for his work in our lives and in the lives all around us. And I think one of the dangers, one of the most dangerous dangers as Christians is that we're blind. We don't have eyes to see the way that God is working all around us. And so today, in our passage, we are going to learn from an unlikely person how to see God at work and then to respond in the proper way, to respond in worship and gratitude. In a sentence today, we're going to learn that when we see God at work, we must worship at Jesus' feet. When we see God at work, we must worship at Jesus' feet. We're going to see this in Luke chapter 17. So I want to invite you to your Bibles. Turn them to Luke chapter 17. So that's the third book of the New Testament. So you're probably three quarters of the way through your Bible to get there. And a little bit of context of Luke. In Luke chapter 951, it's the turning point for the gospel of Luke. Because at at 951, we're told that Jesus has set his face towards Jerusalem. He is headed towards Jerusalem to fulfill his mission, which is to die on the cross for the sins of the world, to resurrect from the grave, and then to ascend into heaven where he will rule as king. And so from 951 onwards, Jesus is solely focused on that mission. But every now and then he will step aside to someone 
and have compassion on them. And we see that in Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 11. I want you to look at that with me. We're going to be in verse 11 through verse 13 here. It says this, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into the village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And so as Jesus is entering into this unnamed village, he is met by ten people who have leprosy. Leprosy was a skin disease, really multiple skin diseases that would cause white patches on people's skins or sores on people's skins. And as a result of that, they had to be exiled from the community. And so they lived a a lonely existence away from everyone they know. And if anybody ever got close to them, they would have to cry out, unclean, unclean, unclean. And so nobody could come near them. In fact, we hear about this in the book of Leviticus, chapter 13, verse 45 and 46. This is what we are told. Anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes and let their hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of their face and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. And so these ten lepers, they are in exile, living a shameful, lonely existence. And so they find other lepers and they group together the ten of them to where they can try and find some kind of community. And when Jesus is walking into the city, they do exactly what they're supposed to do. They stand at a distance from Jesus and cry out. As I was reflecting on this passage, it got me thinking, how, how many of us do we stand at a distance from Jesus? How many of us do we stand at a, a distance with Jesus? Because when we think about our past, when we think about our mistakes, the sins that we've made, we think Jesus could never love someone like me. Or maybe right now, currently, some of us, we're struggling with a sinful relationship or a sinful habit that we can't seem to break And we just feel like we're at a distance from Jesus. Or maybe there's some of you who are online right now who you just don't feel worthy to come into a church building. And so you stay at a distance. Instead of coming to the church, you stay at a distance and stay online. If that's you today, I want you to know that Jesus loves the outsider. If that's you today, I want you to know that Jesus closes that gap to where there no longer has to be a a distance between us and him. I've been reading this book that Warren has talked about from stage before called Gentle and Lowly, and the heart of that book is that Jesus's heart is gentle and kind, and he loves sinful people like you and me. And then also that he is lowly, that he is accessible, that anyone can come to him, especially sinners. And here's what he says in his book on page 20. He says, the point in saying that Jesus is lowly is that he is accessible for all his resplendent glory and dazzling holiness, his supreme uniqueness and otherness. 
No one in human history has ever been more approachable than Jesus Christ. No prerequisites, no hoops to jump through. The minimum bar to be enfolded in the embrace of Jesus is simply open yourself up to him. You don't need to unburden or collect yourself, then come to Jesus. Your very burden is what qualifies you to come. Your very burden is what qualifies you to come to Jesus. Jesus loves the outsider, and if you feel like an outsider today, I want you to know that you are worthy because Jesus says you are worthy, and he is the one who will close the gap. He is the one who wants you with all of your sin and baggage to come to him, and at the very least to cry out to him. And that's exactly what these ten lepers do. They stand at a distance and they cry out to Jesus. But why? I mean, why do these ten lepers cry out to Jesus? I think it's very likely that they've heard that Jesus is a miraculous healer. I think they've probably heard some of the stories, especially the story that happens earlier in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 5. In Luke chapter 5, we're told this story about how Jesus heals a leper. This leper comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus says to this leper, I am willing, be clean. He touches him and his leprosy is gone. I think these 10 lepers, they have probably heard this story about this miraculous healer, Jesus. And they've been so alone and isolated for so long, they feel like Jesus is their only hope. That Jesus is their last chance to be healed. Maybe some of you feel that right now as well. You have tried everything, and it just doesn't seem to fill that hole in your heart. And so you're here today at church giving Jesus one last shot. And if that's you today, I want you to know that you're exactly where you need to be because when we come to Jesus, he blows out our expectations every single time and he does that for these 10 lepers right here. Here's what happens in verse 14. It says, when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests and as they went, they were cleansed. This is a little different than the Luke chapter 5 story where Jesus heals the leper because here Jesus doesn't touch these 10 lepers. Instead, he says, go show yourselves to the priests. The priests were the people at the temple who would examine their skin to see if they had leprosy anymore. And if they didn't, they could be welcomed back into the community. But Jesus tells them to go and they haven't even been healed yet. Sometimes Jesus wants us to act out in obedience and then we get to experience his healing. And to the leper's credits, that's exactly what they do. Jesus tells them to go and they trust Jesus at his word. They go and they are cleansed. And where do they go? We're not told about nine of them where they go. I wonder if some of them kept going to the temple And showed the priests that, yes, they truly are clean. I wonder if some of them went to their family, to their spouses and their kids, and they said, honey, I'm home. I wonder if some of them, they've been begging for so long for food, if they end up going to their favorite restaurant, 
Cuatro's Amigos and just have a really good meal for the first time in a really long time. We're not told where these nine go, but we are told where one goes. We are told where one goes, and he comes back to the one who's healed him. He comes back to Jesus. We read about it in verses 15 and 16. It tells us one of them, one, when he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice. Everybody has to have one of these in church. Glory, glory, hallelujah. He's praising the Lord. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Out of the ten lepers, out of all of them whose lives have been radically changed by Jesus, who no longer have to live in exile, but now can live in community, only one of them comes back to Jesus with gratitude. Only one comes back and worships at Jesus' feet, and he was a Samaritan. The original readers, they would have gasped at that part of the story. The Samaritan? Not only was he a leper, but he's like a double outsider because he's a Samaritan. The Jews hated the Samaritans. So much so that sometimes it it became violent between them. I mean, they were considered to be heretics, these half-bloods, these half-breeds. And you actually can see some of this violence come out in the disciples, Peter and John. In Luke chapter 9, verse 51, I told you that's the turning point in the gospel of Luke. But right after that, we're told that Jesus sends messengers ahead into the Samaritan villages. And the Samaritan villages, they don't receive Jesus. And so when a town doesn't receive Jesus, what they're supposed to do is take their sandals off, get the dust off their feet, and move on to the next town. But Peter and John, they are riled up that their Lord and Savior has been rejected. And so they come to Jesus and say, Jesus, we will call down fire from heaven if you want us to. We will destroy these Samaritan villages. Of course, Jesus says, no, don't do that. You're you're misunderstanding what I want you to do here. On one hand, they do that because their Lord has been rejected. And if you know anything about Peter, the dude is bold, man. He's ready to do anything for the Lord, even call down fire from heaven. That's part of it. But the other part is I think they still have this hatred towards these Samaritans. And they want them completely wiped out. And yet, the one Samaritan leper is the one who models for us the proper response to God's work in our lives. When he saw that he was healed, when he saw God's work in his life, that is the moment that he turned back and came to Jesus and worshiped at his feet. When we see God at work, we must worship at Jesus' feet. And if you do a study in the Gospel of Luke on the feet of Jesus, which seems kind of weird. I know there are some people who are like, feet creep me out. My brother's one of those people. He's like, get, get feet away from me. I don't want them anywhere near me. But if you do a study in the Gospel of Luke on the feet of Jesus, you'll find that at the feet of Jesus is exactly where people need to be. In Luke chapter 7, we're told the story of a sinful woman, likely a prostitute. And we don't know much about her story, but we can uh, guess that she has experienced the forgiveness of Jesus. And so she comes to Jesus while Jesus is dining at a Pharisee's house, and she is weeping in gratitude for the forgiveness 
that he has offered her. She is wetting his feet with her tears because of how much Jesus has transformed her life. In Luke chapter 8, we hear about a man who is possessed by a demon, another outsider, who is sta- he lives in the tombs outside the city because no one wants a demon-possessed man near them. And yet we hear how Jesus comes to this man and exercises the demons, and when he is healed, he comes and he sits at the feet of Jesus. The very next story we're told about a guy whose name is Jairus. He's a synagogue leader, and he throws himself at Jesus' feet and begins pleading for him to heal his daughter a 12-year-old, his only daughter. And so Jesus goes back with Jairus, and when he gets there, his son or his daughter is dead, but Jesus raises her from the dead. And then in Luke chapter 10, we're told the story of Mary and Martha. You might know this story, where Martha's in the kitchen where the women are supposed to be, and Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And when Martha sees this, she comes out. She's so frustrated. She says, Jesus, will you tell Mary to come help me in the kitchen finish, finish the mashed potatoes and gravy and the corn and the turkey dinner that we're having for you, Jesus? And Jesus says to her, Mary has chosen what is better because she is sitting at the feet of Jesus, learning from him. At the feet of Jesus is exactly where we need to be. And in our story today, in Luke chapter 17, when the leper realizes, when he sees that he has been healed, he throws himself at Jesus' feet and he worships. When we see God at work in our lives and in lives all around us, we must worship at Jesus' feet. The problem is so often we don't. So often we forget to. So often we are blind. And Jesus notices. The story concludes in verses 17 and 19. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner, this outsider, this Samaritan? Then he said, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. We're told in this story that Jesus is not just some miraculous healer. No, he is God himself. He is the one who makes us both physically healed, but more importantly, spiritually healed as well. And so this story is a story about 10 people being healed, but only one person being saved. And that one person is saved because of their response to Jesus' work. Maybe the most important thing about us in our lives is our response to Jesus. Nine people experience the healing of Jesus, but then they forget about him. In a sense, they reject him. And then there's one who comes back and worships. He is the one that we should model our life after. Because God is at work. We just need to look for him. And so I think this story invites us to ask two questions as we think about and wrestle with our lives. The first question is, do we see God at work in our lives? 
Do we see God at work in our lives? Do we have our eyes open to the way that God is working? I think so often we don't because we get distracted. You've probably seen uh, this video before. This is a video of the invisible gorilla experiment. It's from 1999. You probably saw this at school or something. And in this video, there's a ball, and they say, count how many times the people in the white shirts throw the ball to one another. Looking at your guys' faces, I feel like I just ruined this video for you. Like, you haven't seen it. Well, anyways, they, we're supposed to count how many times the ball gets passed back and forth between the people in the white shirts. And what you do, the first time you see it, is you're so focused on that ball, what you miss is there's a guy in a gorilla costume walking through the circle, and you don't even see him at all because you're focused on the basketball. So often, that's, I think, what happens when it comes to our lives. We're so focused on our problems that we forget to see God at work. We're so focused on these things like financial issues and health issues, which matter and do matter to God, but that we then forget to be grateful for the ways that God is working all around us in our lives. When we see God at work, We must worship at his feet. But I do want to take a step back and recognize that there are moments in our lives where we don't see God at work. There are moments in our lives that the old um, fathers and mothers of the faith would call the dark night of the soul, where we just couldn't seem to feel God's presence or see him. And if that's where you're at today, let me just encourage you. There's one place to look. There's one person to look to. Jesus, in those moments when we feel abandoned, look at Jesus' face. Because while we were still sinners, while we were still God's enemies, while we were still at a distance, Jesus closed that gap. He died on the cross for you and for me, rose from the grave, proving that he truly is king. And so in those moments when you don't feel like you can see God, look to the face of Jesus because he is the one who reminds us without all doubt that God cares for us and he closes the gap and that he is at work even if we don't see him. But I think that happens not nearly as much as him working all around us, and we could see him if we are just looking for him. And so the first question, do we see God at work in our lives? The second question is this, will we be like the one full of worship, or will we be like the forgetful nine? When the good things happen in our lives, will we be like the one who come back to Jesus and worship him, or will we be like the forgetful nine? When we get a raise at work, do we just say, man, I deserve that. I work so hard. Pat yourself on the back. Or is your initial response to thank Jesus, the one who has given us every good and perfect gift? When we see God at work, we must worship at Jesus's feet. And so our prayer here at BCC is that we would be a people who come to Jesus's feet daily. And so this isn't the only way that you can come to Jesus' feet daily, but this is a tool we want to give you. Today, as we conclude our series, we want to take these attitudes of gratitude outside these church walls. And so we are going to give you some gratitude journals, 
And on those gratitude journals, it's just a piece of paper, construction paper. And on one side, there are seven days. And each day, we want you to write three things that you can thank Jesus for that day. And then on the back, it's the same thing. Three things that you can thank Jesus for every single day. Because our hope is that you will begin to see God more at work in your life. Gratitude journals have been shown to help people have happier and healthier lives, which is good. We want you to have happier and healthier lives. But more than that, we want you to live a holier life. And we think this tool is one way that we can help you come to the feet of Jesus every single day. When we see God at work, we must worship at Jesus' feet. Let's do that in prayer right now. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. And we thank you for this story about Jesus and how he loves the outsiders and how he is the one who can truly heal us both physically and spiritually. Lord, as we leave today, help us to have attitudes of gratitude where we worship you, King Jesus, for all the good gifts you have given us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.